0: The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program.
1: This is The Pet Buzz with Pet Trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, The Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Now, here's your Pet Buzz hosts, Pet Trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck
0: i'm sure you've noticed the dog breed the french bulldog is absolutely everywhere you know in march the american kennel club announced its top 10 breeds based on akc registration statistics for 2021 and the french bulldog has moved up it is the number two dog following behind the number one dog for i think 31 or 32 years the labrador retriever So what is driving the French Bulldog craze? The desire to own a French Bulldog. Well, the guests in this special episode of the Peppas are going to tell us. This episode of the Peppas is strictly dedicated to the French Bulldog breed. We're going to learn all the positives about the breed, but we're also going to learn about the downside of having this cute companion. So joining us today to talk about the French Bulldog is Patricia Sosa. She is a director of the French Bulldog Club of America. She has been a lover of this breed for more than 40 years. This is going to be really good. So, Patty, tell us, why are Frenchies so popular?
2: I think the reason they're so popular is their size. They are a small dog. They make it very easy to live with in apartments. They do not require a lot of exercise, They require require very little grooming, and they're actually a very big dog personality in a little dog's body. They're easy to travel with, and they're just comical, and they're very enduring. They love their people dearly.
3: So where should a potential dog owner look to find a French Bulldog, and why should that dog lover buy from a reputable breeder?
2: Or I guess we should
0: even include that, where you can find a reputable breeder. Yeah.
2: Well, the first thing I say is the French Bulldog Club of America webpage. On there, we have all the information you need to be a member of the club. We sign a code of ethics, and we promise to breed the breed to the standard that was given to us back in the early 1900s. And no matter where you live in the world, every country has a standard standard. And they're all incredibly similar. But in the United States, the French Bulldog Club of America, we give you the guidance and the blueprint to know how to find a properly, correctly bred and a healthy dog.
3: Standards are 100 years old.
2: Yeah. So, Patty, talk to us about care
0: and training of uh, French Bulldogs.
2: Very, very easy. Now they can be a little hard-headed. So sometimes they require a little more consistency on the trainer's part. We do always suggest to crate train and socialize your dogs, take them out, but still remember that they are a short-faced breed. So you have to be concerned about the temperatures in your climates and be aware of um, information of how to take care of the dog properly whether you live in a very warm climate but on the whole there's very little grooming that needs to be done with the dogs a bath you know every once a month maybe cut their nails clean their ears Uh, we just don't find that they really need much in the line of grooming You find the breed now in being shown in obedience, in rally, in fast cat. So they are a very versatile breed. Well,
3: you know, you just mentioned that there's a few hard-headed Frenchies. But in general, (laughs) is the French Bulldog a difficult breed to train? And should you be in classes for training?
2: I suggest classes for training. And it depends what your level is, what your goal is. If you're just going to have a house pet, you might want to go to just a basic obedience class to teach your dog how to stand, how to stay, how to sit, just the normal obedience. If you choose to go on further to do competition, then of course, yes, you do have to be in training. And there are several dogs that we've actually bred that for the past two years at our national have been awarded high-end trial awards so they can, with dedication and work, they can achieve high goals.
0: You know, it's interesting because we're talking about extra activities for the French Bulldog. And I know with the having English toys and having snub-nosed dogs, brachycephalic dogs, I guess when, when Frenchies are doing these sports, do we have to be extra careful? Especially, I mean, not even doing sports, but just in the warmer weather because the warmer weather season is coming.
2: Absolutely. You have to be careful. You have to be, again, you have to know your dog and see the signs. You don't want, if it's a 90 degree day out, you want to make sure that there is water available. You want to make sure maybe even have a cool down coat or a rag. And it depends how hard you're working them. Just common sense, watch them and see how their breathing is. And if you live like I do in a high humidity state, you sort of work around your times you'll do earlier morning or later evening just pretend it's like a child the same thing you know the same things you would work with with a child you would work with with a Frenchie yeah
0: I mean we're here in Florida Patty's in uh, Louisiana so definitely high humidity states you know the million dollar question I mean it's funny (laughs) we we always like to ask about money because we think money's important it's something we talk about and something we deal with every day. And it's part of owning a pet. What's a Frenchie cost these days? I mean, it's one of the more expensive breeds, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. And I think a lot of that is the expenses going into get a litter, not even going into the cost of the female to start with. You've got stud fees, you have C-sections, you have progesterone testing. So it can add up very, very quickly. But I would think a range from four to $6,000 um, for a pet is what you find the norm. Now, unfortunately, since they are a more expensive breed, there are several groups that say they are rare, and you'll see prices anywhere from $10,000, $15,000, uh, and up for these supposed rare colors or coat textures. Um, but yesterday, just looking at different avenues for advertisements of these rare dogs. There were over 2,000 litters that I found advertised for sale. And out of those, only 30 were bred by parent club breeders or breeders of merit. So if you have 2,000 litters and only 30 are bred by standard breeders, I just wouldn't call that rare in my book.
0: I know. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, all these people are talking about these rare dogs, and it seems like everyone's falling into that. They want a specific color of a French bulldog. You know, it's kind of like everyone aspires to have one these days, but I think it's important by having you on our show to really understand where people can go for information, right, Dr. Fleck? Yeah, and
3: boy, oh, boy, as a practitioner, I see a lot of Frenchies because they're so popular these days for example i see some things that might be anatomical problems for the pet as they grow along and be therefore a problem for for the pet you know the pet parent as they move along with them healthwise i'm seeing heads on some of these that are huge and then i see other heads that are what i think you probably would consider to be more standard and i i worry about them to a degree you, you know patty We really appreciate your coming, and I'm sure our listening audience really appreciates this information, particularly if they're thinking about purchasing a Frenchie. So can you give us your website?
2: My website, my personal website is bandogfrenchies.com anyone's welcome to email me or contact me at any time. It might take me a day or two to get back to them because I really do get a lot of people to contact me, but I'm always here for anyone for any questions.
0: So everyone that was Patty Sosa, director of the French Bulldog Club of America. She has had a 30 plus year relationship with the breed up next. We're talking to Dr. Dan O'Neill of the Royal Veterinary College about the extreme breeding of this companion pet. And What is driving the need to own one? Also, you want to stick around with us because a little later on the show, we're talking about the state of the breed's health as well as how to protect yourself when you are out and about with your Frenchie. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist, Charlotte Reed and veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. You have to take care of your dog's mouth. But don't you hate the brushing session? It's so difficult with him squirreling around, trying to get away, gagging on the toothbrush. Well, Tevra Brand's Twist and Lick Oral Care Gel is a solution for a brush-free, no-hassle system that helps you take care of your dog's mouth with ease. All you have to do once a week is twist the bottom of the container and let your dog lick the gel. Featuring prolonged technology, the active ingredients are time-release, combating tartar and plaque, whitening and brightening teeth and contributing to fresh breath bottom line now you and your dog can share fresh kisses with tevra brands twist and lick oral gel
1: online at tevrapet.com. that's t-e-v-r-a pet.com and we thank tevra brands for being a proud supporter of the pet buzz
0: According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen, too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-Pet.com EpiPet is another proud
1: partner of the Pet Buzz. (音楽) We'll be right back.
0: back. I'm pet expert Charlotte Reed, and I want to remind you how important it is to protect your pet against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with preventative tablets and topicals. By giving your dogs and cats preventative meds throughout the year, you are protecting your pet from Lyme disease, heartworm, flea allergies, worms, and more, causing unwanted and costly vet bills. Most importantly, these parasites can infiltrate your home, causing you and your family's health to be compromised. Remember, healthy pet healthy you.
1: Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz, enhancing the bond between pets and their people.
3: Joining us today is Dr. Dan O'Neill, who is Senior Lecturer in Companion Animal Epidemiology at the Royal Veterinary College in the U.K., and co-leads the vet compass program as a research and teaching resource in addition dr dan chairs the uk brachycephalic working group and is founding member of the international collaborative on extreme confirmations in dogs and of the dog breeding reform group dr dan welcome to the pet buzz today
4: Thank you very much, Michael and Charlotte. This is a real pleasure to be here. Uh, I think we're going to have a really interesting chat.
0: Yeah, I think so, I too. Think so too. Yeah. So um, I have a, I, my first question is very basic, but I think a lot of people are going to want to know what is extreme breeding and what's driving this trend?
4: This is a one you could settle back and uh, get your sandwiches out because we could keep on going forever. Um, I, I, I'll actually almost challenge the term extreme breeding um, because It assumes the emphasis is on the breeding. It used to be maybe 100 years ago, but now it's extreme owning. It's driven because your question is, what's driving the trend? Well, it isn't the breeding. It's the owning. It's the desire to own an animal that has diverged quite far from what a dog naturally or innately should be. Um, It is the human drive to have something that we want to look unique and that therefore makes us feel unique. so so it, it is all about the humans, it's not about the dogs.
0: You know, it's interesting that you said that because as I read an article this morning about the five rare colors. Now they did say there were 11 AKC colors, Uh, For the French Bulldog, but then they went into the blue blue meryl and lilac now I personally have never seen a lilac and I don't think it's obviously a true purple But just the fact that you can tell your friends and people who ask you on the street. Hey, I have a lilac French Bulldog It's so rare. Sounds like a cocktail party.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah conversation.
3: Uh, yeah
4: That's exactly, you've hit the nail exactly on the head there, Charlotte. It it used to be, so I was in practice for 20 years, uh, general practice in the UK. I had my own practice near London until 2009. In my practice, I probably had maybe one, two French bulldogs back then. Um, They really were very, very unusual. So the drive to own French bulldogs uh, was driven by the fact that they were rare. Now, French bulldogs are the commonest puppy uh, that's bought in the UK overall not just even count registered overall so it is no longer rare or special to have a French bulldog because they're common they're really common so what do I do I now need to get a unique version of a French bulldog an extreme version of an extreme breed therefore color comes in and it's huge and these, the colours you mentioned, the lilacs and the murrows, they will fetch double or treble the price wow. of a regular French bulldog. Um, and, and in fact, it is now, I was at um Crofts a few weeks ago, the largest dog show in the world. I was chatting with some um breeders of French bulldogs, and their comment was that it's now even getting difficult to sell regular colored French bulldogs. The demand has just switched to these um rarer colours. And of course, once those become no longer rare which they will then the demand will switch to something else even more extreme and if this is all driven by humans this is not driven by breeders breeder the, the people who breed are just breeding to supply the demand it is humans who are demanding this
3: um, wow it's, it's quite an
4: amazing phenomenon
3: just before this interview i've seen a couple of frenchies this morning and i see frenchies every day and as you said you had a couple in the practice 10 or 15 years ago, and now we see him every day. So why is the French Bulldog a prime example of a breed that's suffering so much due to extreme breeding?
4: So let's go back again to humans, right? So, so when humans see a French Bulldog, they see a French Bulldog. Back in the day, we would see a dog, but now we we have this perception, we've been driven down the line of, we're not seeing dogs anymore, we're seeing Labradors or Dachshunds or French Bulldogs or English Bulldogs, we see breeds and each of these breeds are becoming virtually a species, a unique entity in their own right. But a lot of them have drifted very far away from being a typical dog or an innate dog. So when we look at um, breeds like French Bulldogs, they, they don't have a tail or they have a tiny little tail. Well, dogs have a tail. It's very important. It's for communication with other dogs. Um, It is for developing the muscles around the rear end. Um, It gives them the shape and the outline of a dog. Well, French Bulldogs don't have that. They also have a very shortened spine um, and a very high rate of hemivertebrae. So French Bulldogs are unable to turn around and lick their own bums, for example. Um, So if I'm a dog, I might get used to that. But it means I have a lifetime of itch in that region that I can't get at and lick and, and, and relieve that itch myself. Um, French bulldogs have very sh- flattened faces. So that means they have problems breathing. Uh, so lots of BOAS, this brachycephalic obstructive airway syndrome, um, really high rates of uh, heat-related illness, heat stroke during the summer. So these extreme... Um,
0: Practices. These extreme, mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, well, it's extreme confirmation in the dogs. We as humans find them appealing. We think that's really cute. The, you know, the baby face, the flat face with the large eyes, it looks beautiful, it looks like a little baby. Well, from the dog's perspective, it's not so cute. Um, but as humans, we just think about the world from our perspective, what we think is cute. And really, we need to step inside the dog and live a life where you can't scratch or relieve itch in your own bum. Well, imagine that for a life. Um, you know, if you go out on a very hot day, you can't really run around very easily, because you, you can't breathe. You can't get rid of heat from your body. Um, so, so this is where extreme is going. The flip side of this is French Bulldogs. OK, every breed can have animals that aren't very nice. But French Bulldogs are beautiful little dogs by and large, as are Bulldogs, English Bulldogs, as are Pugs. And this is, this is a really sad thing. These are lovely little dogs. So from an owner's point of view, I have a dog that's quite unique, makes me seem special. I have a dog that I think is cute. Uh, that's nice. And I have a dog that is likely to be a good family pet. That's nice. And I have a dog that doesn't need a lot of exercise. Okay, I'm using inverted commas. The reality is it's unable to take a lot of exercise because it it has difficulty breathing.
0: You know, it's really interesting. I'm going to make a comment before your next question, Dr. Fleck. But, you know, I remember a few years ago reading an article from University of California at Davis, and it was about the English Bulldog. And, you know, at one point, the English Bulldog was so, so popular. Everyone had them. And uh, I can't remember the professor. I want to name say his name is Dr. Fred something or other. Uh, and I could never get him on the show. And the research is probably three or four years at this point. I'm sure you're familiar with this research, uh, Dr. Dan. But it was really about how the French bulldog breed is ruined now. And the only way to fix it would be to breed other dogs into it. Bull. I'm sorry, the English bulldog. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, yeah, it's gotten to the point where, you know, that breed is so ruined because of the health problems. And also, you know, think about it. It's, you know, it's the need to drive. But when you have, you know, that dog being a mascot for Yale and University of Mississippi, you know, that's a whole subgroup of people who want those dogs. It's kind of like, and, and you, you won't get this, Dr. Dan, it's kind of like if you went to Florida State most people who go to florida state a lot of them have that maroon color car to show their pride i mean it's you know obviously it's different but it's really not it's the same thing if you've just joined us we're talking with veterinarian dr dan o'neill about extreme breeding of the french bulldog
1: ever wonder what goes on inside the pet buzz studio we post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our youtube channel What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slimpaws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slimpaws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. Online at tevrapet.com. That's T E V R A Pet.com. Tevrapet and Slimpaws, proud supporters of the pet buzz. They call me Prince like I'm royalty or something. But the places I've lived
5: ain't no palaces. So I don't need grilled salmon or a new scratching post. Just give me a cardboard box and a can of tuna and we're good. You can even change my name. I'm cool being the kitty formerly known as Prince.
3: A person is the best
5: thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt.
0: If you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian, Dr. Dan O'Neill about extreme breeding of the French bulldog. So how does extreme breeding affect pet owners as well as society? Well
4: it's, it's, so if I'm, if I'm a pet owner, there's a whole series of issues, how it will affect me directly. So I have the the cost. So obviously I buy an animal, I'm probably paying far more for this animal. because it's an extreme breed compared to a non-extreme breed. But somehow I've been suckered into believing that extreme breeds would make me look cool or my image or whatever by, um, you know, celebrity influencers on Instagram or TikTok, by advertisements. So you are being sold this concept that these are the dogs to have, not the regular dog, you know, the dog like a Labrador retriever, which actually is just a standard baseline dog that always has been popular. But somehow we want these new extremes. So I'm going to have all the medical bills to come with that. In the UK, um, slightly different to the US, I think most people insure their dogs, or a lot of people insure them. It is more expensive to insure these extreme breeds because they cost more. Um, there is also um, the heartbreak that comes with these animals when um, you find they don't live as long. We have a, a paper coming out from Vet Compass in the next couple of weeks that looks at the average lifespan of these dogs and the the bottom. Four breeds in lifespan. I'm going to read it to you French bulldog, 4.5 years from birth, English bulldog, 7.4 years from birth, Pog, 7.6 years from birth, and American bulldog, 7.8 years from birth. Whereas a Jack Russell will live 12.7 years from birth. So that's three times as long as a French bulldog. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm an owner. I'm getting all the financial cost, but I'm also getting the heartbreak of this animal that, as I said earlier, is likely to be a lovely, lovely, lovely dog. Um, you know, so it, it is It is a real horrible place for owners to be. They have an animal they love and cherish. It's part of the family. And then it has a lifetime of suffering, perhaps, uh, a lifetime of cost for me, and then it dies early. And I have all the guilt that comes with that. So the, the, the message we would have is to move away from that, just move back towards moderate breeds, moderate confirmations.
0: And then you couple that with, you know, what we've been experiencing for the last two, almost three years now is COVID, how you really have come to rely on this dog is not only a family member, because that transition happened in the last 20 years, but really as a lifesaver, you're stuck in the house, you know, maybe you're alone, you're single, you're a, a senior, a widow, widower, and that's all you have is this dog. You know, and mental health problems, as we know, have become more in the forefront of the news, right dog? So now you have people who have other subset issues of mental health, which, you know, I mean, obviously there are, you know, groups now for dog owners who lose their dogs. But I can see that expanding to in the in the public, in the public realm and even in the governmental public remit of them footing the bill for that kind of thing
3: I also have to laugh too because people that do this they're expending a lot of money for that breeding they may be purchasing for ten fifteen twenty thousand dollars and what I always find is, is interesting is that they're always questioning a, a fifteen dollar distemper vaccine <laughs> so let me see twenty thousand dollars for the pet and they're they're maybe not as concerned about the development of the of the pet for its health, but then when it comes down to what's really truly healthful for them with their with their protection for the vaccine for deadly diseases, they want to they want to quibble about a few dollars. But that's something else.
4: <laughs> that comes back to your whole thing about humans. It's all about humans, it's not about the dogs. The comment Charlotte made there about um the pandemic is exactly correct. At the Royal Veterinary College, we have uh, another program, research program called Pandemic Puppies, uh, with Rowena Packer, where we've been collecting longitudinal data, data over time on people who bought puppies during the pandemic and following them. Um, Yes, it's for mental health, but there's also that other zone just for mental support. So somebody who doesn't have a mental health problem, but actually suffers from loneliness, which we could argue is, well, it's definitely causing mental health damage. So, so dogs provide so much more. Yes, mental health, but it's it's companionship and support. Um, and, it, 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 you know, it, it is heartbreaking because we are being sold this concept that dog is about breed. But it isn't. Dog is about dog. And when we look at a French bulldog, we're looking at its shape. We've been sold this for the last 50 years. But instead, we should be looking at the dog, its character. What actually is the dog inside? But, but we don't. We're just looking at its shape, it's outside, and somehow we've just been led astray with that.
3: Well, Doc, is there really anything that you can think of realistically that can be done to stop extreme breeding?
4: Yeah, there's 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 actually quite a few others. So legislation, legislation exists, and we should be aware, and certainly in the UK, we should be aware it exists and aware of whether we're happy, even if it's not enforced, as to whether our animals and what we do with them falls within it. But actually, that's a very minor part. Legislation is a stick. Uh, legislation doesn't generally change opinion, just makes you comply, right? And by the time you're, you're resorting to um, using legislation to get change, you've accepted that you can shift people's opinion. You're going to drive them against their will almost using legislation. So the other approaches that we're trying with the UK Brachycephalic Working Group is trying to work on um, something called social license to operate. And this is this is where it's actually the public the goodwill of people that um, help. It, and this is what a lot of environmental groups are working on as well. Is actually getting people to want not to buy extreme breeds, to want not to support the criminality that goes on behind breeding these animals and importing them illegally into the UK. Um, There is also uh, a move that I've started looking at over the last few months about um, extreme breeds and environmental sustainability. So these breeds uh, have a lot uh, poorer health. So that means they need more antibiotics, more veterinary care, more anesthetic gases. They take up more veterinary time. They cost more money. So from an environmental point of view, we are far better if we move towards moderate breeds. So there, there are so many other ways that we can shift. And then the the other way is to get people to see a dog as a dog. So a dog should be able to blink. Many brachycephalic breeds can't blink. Their eyelids won't close over their bulging eyes. It should have a tail that it can wag. It should be able to give birth. It should be able to mate. It should be able to run freely. It should be able to turn around and lick its butt. Um, (laughs) These animals, the majority of them can't. So um, if we can get people to see that a dog should be able to do dog, if that is the thing, a verb, um, many of these extreme breeds are no longer typical dogs. They're something else, but they're not a dog anymore. So no. and that's the drive we're trying to move towards. It's it's public opinion.
3: Doc, it was just a real pleasure having you as a guest today on the Pet Buzz. Can you share a website where yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the, so the Vet Compass website is is just um, Vet Compass. You could just Google V-E-T-C-O-M-P-A-S-S at Royal Veterinary College. And all the all the papers we've done are all open access. So we publish such that everyone in the world can see them. And we publish the data sets open access. Every paper we publish comes with an infograph, like a, a, a nice, colorful, um, kind of cartoony summary of the paper, which is ideal for social media. The whole idea is that research is not about researchers or breeders or vets it's about the public it's the public who choose which animal to buy choose how to care for it choose when to take it to a vet so it's all about the public the power is in the public's hands
0: Well, that was Dr. Dan O'Neill, senior lecturer and companion at epidemiology at the Royal Veterinary College. O'Neill chairs the UK BRCA Facilic Working Group and is a founding member of the International Collaborative on Extreme Confirmations in Dogs and of the Dog Breeding Reform Group. Up next, celebrity veterinarian Jeff Werber is here discussing common health problems of the French bulldog breed. And just so you know, Dr. Jeff has one. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
1: We know people love their dogs and many like to take them everywhere to lunch, to work, shopping, but dogs are only welcome in places where they behave. Our very own etiquette and pet trendologist Charlotte Reed discusses decorum for every occasion in her book, Miss Fido Manners: Complete Book of Dog Etiquette. She provides tips for behaving at home and on the street, eating in or going out, plus extending pet courtesy to others in places of business, being mindful of other while traveling and treating veterinarians, pet sitters, and dog groomers with respect. With Miss Fido Manners, pet owners can learn how to behave appropriately in all kinds of situations. Miss FIDO Manners from pet trendologist Charlotte Reed on Amazon.
0: Brushing your pet's teeth is such a hassle. But I've found a simple alternative: Tevra's New Vitality brush-free twist and lick oral gel. It's so easy to use and dogs love it. All you have to do is twist the dial on the bottom of the tube until the gel comes out on the top and allow your pooch to lick the gel right off the applicator. The gel features active ingredients that break down tartar and plaque, whiten, brighten teeth, and give your dog fresh breath. The ingredients are safe, taste like chicken, and there isn't any training or brushing necessary. Twist and Lick Oral Gel will be the only dog dental care product that's fun to use.
1: Online at TevraPet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A-Pet.com. And we thank Tevra Brands for being a proud supporter of the pet buzz.
0: So all dogs are susceptible to health problems, many of which depend on their age, diet, and care, but some breeds like the French Bulldog are more prone to several health conditions than others. French Bulldog health problems can be severe and worrisome, which is why it's important to be aware of them before adopting or buying a Frenchie. So joining us today is one of my favorite guests, Dr. Jeff Warburg. Dr. Jeff is an Emmy Award winner, so impressive frequent lecturer at many of the nation's veterinary colleges is a spokesperson for several national pharmaceutical companies. And the list goes on. In addition, he has his own line of pet products, as well as being chief veterinary officer at AirVet, a telemedicine platform for pets and their owners. And I'm sure that you've seen him as a pet topic contributor on such programs as the Dr. Oz Show, Rachel Ray, Fox and Friends, Dr. Jeff, Welcome back to the Pet Buzzer. So glad you're here.
5: Oh, thanks, Charlotte. It's great to be here. And I'm so sorry we didn't get a chance to really catch up. I blazed through global this year. I literally had to be back in L.A. Uh, Thursday evening for an event. So I was there literally Wednesday, half a Thursday, and then buzzed out of there.
0: No, so, it's it's anyway. it's crazy. It's crazy. You're a French bulldog owner, aren't you, Dr. Joe? I
5: love my Frenchies. Yes. OK. <laughs> With all the problems, I still love my Frenchies.
0: You know, you know, it's so funny because I know that you, you know, over the years have treated a lot of celebrity pet owners. What can you tell us which one of them have Frenchies? I think Demi well, I Moore mean, has one, right? Demi Moore. No, there, there,
5: there are a lot of Frenchies. No, Demi Moore has has they do a lot of rescues, and they uh, they have a lot of Chihuahuas. Okay. Um, uh, Eva Longoria has a Frenchie, Popeye. We would, if you look at that, you would say Popeye. But, you know, being the, 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 in Spanish, it's Popeye. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And, um, I you know, Jeremy Piven was a client of mine a number of years ago. He's a Frenchie owner. But, you know, a lot of famous names, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Chrissy Teigen and, and John Legend and Lady Gaga. You've heard of that whole story with her dogs. Were sure. Stalled. Of course. So, um, course. You now, they they are a very popular. So popular. I just did a story on, my, on this past week's radio show that the number one dog AKC registrations in the nation is once again for the 31st year, the Labrador retriever. Sure. Guess what? Number two is now. The Frenchie. The French Bulldog.
0: Wow. Wow. That's just so crazy. Uh, if, if you went back
5: five years, six years ago, you'd, you'd see them somewhere down in the 30s or the 40s, right? Number two to the Labrador. they have beaten out the golden retriever, the German Shepherd, the Poodle. I mean, we're talking breeds that are notoriously popular. And now it's the Frenchie.
0: And now it's the Frenchie. So let's talk about significant factors in the health problem of the French Bulldog. Uh,
5: so, I mean, there are a number of things. You know, when you think of Frenchie, you're going to think of, I think, three main organs that are going to be affected. Okay. One is the spine. Okay. Mm-hmm. The second is the skin. And the third, the respiratory tract. Sure. And they are notorious. I. I have, I, I do laser surgery. And I would say <laughs> that probably the, the one of the biggest surgeries I do that needs laser is the brachiocephalic syndrome. It's B O A S. It's the brachiocephalic obstructive airway syndrome. And we see Frenchies rule that more than English Bulldogs. Just yesterday I did the surgery, interestingly, on a Boston terrier. And um, but it's called resecting the soft palate. Okay. Uh, sometimes the tonsils have to go along with it. And uh, the nares, we have to, we have to trim them just to allow these poor dogs to be able to breathe better. And typically, we are, we are always, um, we've, we've created the monster. Look at the Persian cat. The, I've seen some Persian cats whose faces are so smushed up, all because that's what the breed standard wants. And I sure. think the same thing is happening to French bulldogs is that they are so popular, they don't have time to do thorough selection. So what's happening is they are breeding dogs with problems to other dogs with problems. And of course, all those puppies are going to have problems. So a lot of these
0: health health problems are a result of breeding practices. Oh, absolutely.
5: Absolutely. They're patching these genes on. And again, if you look, I don't think there's any breed more represented in social media now than the Frenchie.
0: Look, it's on my sweater. It's on sheets. (laughs) It's on pillows. It's everywhere you go. If you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jeff Warber about the health of the Frenchie. But le- let's move on because what other, you know, issues should potential dog owners be aware of?
5: With I mean, this? the the as far as Frenchies go, yeah. I mean, they, they're gonna have ear problems, they're gonna have skin problems. You just know you're gonna you're gonna be you'll be seeing a lot of your veterinarian. So if right. you if you really like your vet then that's great if you don't like your vet you need to find a vet that a knows frenchies and I, you know people do they they really want to know It's it's been great for me because of i i once the word gets out that I, i'm a, a frenchie doc and i have another one of my colleagues here in town also he breeds frenchies actually and i would say between he and i we, we probably see i don't know 70 percent of the frenchies in la i mean we right. see a lot of frenchies.
0: Right, um, but, but also for the pet owner it can be expensive. Oh, absolutely. with all of these problems without a doubt. So I have a yeah, question. It's not a, not a cheap dog to own. That'll that'll tell you for sure. Not a cheap dog to own. Okay. So when you're when you're gonna buy, when you're thinking about buying um or adopting a French bulldog, especially if you're at a breeder, what kind of health related question should a potential owner ask?
5: Well, you I mean, first of all, as with any breed, you want to see the parents. Um, it would be great. And I tell people to do this all the time. If 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 you should ask to talk to the veterinarian because you, you're, you're considering you know, getting the dog. You wanna know what issues they have. And of course, you're gonna hear more from the veterinarian. Um, and uh, and you say so you have to get permission. And, and this is really a good pointer for any dog that you're gonna adopt, you're gonna buy, um, you, especially online. There's so many online sales. If that person, if that seller is not quick to give you the name of their veterinarian and we're willing to call them, then pass, go on to the next webpage, because you do not want to work with someone who doesn't have that information. You want to make sure that, you know, the vaccine records are good, but you want to know what kind of problems, if any, do the parents have? Because of the genetics, it's very, it's more likely that a, a, a dog, that, and again, it, it may not be a deal breaker, because there we see this in so many Frenchies, and they are so darn cute, that if, But if there are some issues, you at least you want to know in advance. If both parents had surgery, for example, on their nares, or both parents had to have their, you know, the, the, the elongated soft palates um, uh, repaired and shortened, then that might, uh, at least you know, going into it, that that's probably you're going to have. Right. How or, about even,
0: spine? or even eye problems. Exactly.
5: Or, or even the spine. Now, it's so interesting. If you look at an x-ray, a lateral view of a, of a spine of a Frenchie, it has like a, it's like a dome. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's in the middle. It's called the thoracolumbar area. And it's sort of like the whole spine comes to a point. And what's so interesting about that is that a friend of mine is a veterinary surgeon, and he does a lot of the back surgeries. When Frenchies have their back problems, and they do, Frenchies will often get have disc disease. Many of them actually need surgery. And if you don't get to surgery fast enough and that disc erupts and explodes, it becomes a type 1 explosive disc, you can have a paralyzed Frenchie. And so they, they do have their spine issues. So it's very important to know that as well. And, um, but interestingly, the areas of the of the disc disease that, that causes the problem is not in that region, that, that center region that looks so funky on an X-ray and the vertebrae looks so abnormally shaped. That's not usually where they blow the disc. So I, I thought that was interesting. They will get cervical discs, which is the neck mm-hmm. and they can also get the, the lumbar discs. And those are the ones that are very important. And if you have a dog, if you have a Frenchie that is starting to have any kind of mobility issues, pain issues, spine issues, you need to have them seen very, very uh, immediately because um, if you get to, if they do need surgery, the sooner, the better.
0: The sooner, the better. Wow, Dr. Jeff, how enlightening. I mean, really so many problems with the breed i mean yeah they're cute but i mean you know how much is cuteness worth i think at the end of the day if one can't afford the dog then maybe you should think about something else because dogs offer so many other things companionship love the ability to get outside the studies have shown the ability to reduce your blood pressure and even know your neighbors so i think frenchies are great dogs um but at the same time Really expensive. Dr. Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining me today here on the Pepas. Before you go, give us your website so our readers can learn more about you. And that's the fact that you're the Frenchie vet.
5: <laughs> so you can uh, reach me. Well, drjeff.com
0: is my website. So up next, since French Bulldogs are so popular, of course, and there are a lot of unscrupulous folks out there who might want to steal one from you, we want to give you some tips on how to protect yourself and your Frenchie. When you're out and about on the town or just walking in your neighborhood, security expert Robert Siciliano is up next. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
1: Ever wonder what goes on inside The Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. Now you know what your dog feels like waiting for you to go on your daily walk. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz, the Pet Buzz, enhancing the bond between pets and their people.
0: So, joining us today to talk about educating and empowering people so they can protect themselves and their loved ones including their dogs is Robert Siciliano, CSP, the number one best-selling amazon.com author of five books and CEO of Safer Me. Robert is a security expert and private investigator so robert thank you for joining us this morning to
3: talk about how to protect ourselves and our dogs when walking on the street yes
0: so i'm going to go ahead and ask the first question you know robert in past years dog napping really revolved around a car pulling up in front of your front front of your house luring a grabbing a dog that was left out in the yard but now it's it's very different now especially with french bulldog owners and other popular breeds of dog, they're actually being stolen while they're with their owners on walks, in the park, or even in their cars. Can you share a few tips with us about how to protect our dogs and ourselves?
6: Yeah, this is kidnapping, you know, uh, and uh, it's awful. Uh, and, you know, generally when it comes to uh, theft, I always tell people that um, do not fight over material items that it's not worth a box cutter across the face. but this is different. you know this is another being uh, this is something that you know breathes air and has blood, right So when it comes to protecting your pet, um, I think that people feel that they would want to protect that being the same way they would protect you know a loved one or a child. and so over the years, uh, through various studies, we have learned that resistance, uh, eight out of 10 times, sometimes nine out of 10 times, resistance is the best way to get out of a dangerous situation. And that might be, might mean yelling and screaming, which is a form of resistance, or it might mean getting physical. And getting physical might mean uh, lunging at and being offensive towards your attacker, in this case, a kidnapper so or a thief. Uh, getting physical means going for the eyes, the nose, the throat, the groin, the instep of the foot, using every part of your body to debilitate parts of their body, in this case, the attacker, and uh, in, in taking them down to the ground or at least uh, making it difficult for them to accomplish what they set out to do.
3: Yeah, I love the frankness of which he's really sharing this with us. I mean, people really, really are emotionally going to react anyway, I think. Because as you say, this is really, this is part of your family. Yeah. So so you want to protect them in any way you can. So I appreciate, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate, you're not holding anything back on how to protect yourself. Not at all. So... When it comes to personal protection, protecting yourself, your own body, right?
6: It boils down to self-defense, understanding how to avoid and remove yourself from a dangerous situation, understanding basic self-defense techniques, right? Again, going for the eyes, the throat, the groin, the instep of the foot. And that means using your hands, the palm of your hand, your fingers, your elbows, your forearm, your knees, debilitating the most vulnerable parts of your attacker's body using the strongest parts of your body. So understanding basic self-defense, I think should be fundamental for all humans on earth. You know, taking a self-defense class, which most people really haven't done. You know, whenever I do a a class, a program, I'll get in front of, you know, a couple hundred people and I'll ask, you know, like, what would you do in the event that somebody attacked you? And how would you react? How would you respond? And most people are like, I don't know what I do, you know? And then I ask the same question. If you were walking down the street and your loved one was with you and somebody grabbed them around the throat, how many of you would dive on that attacker? And like a hundred percent of the people raise their hand. Like they've thought it through what they do if a loved one was attacked Mm -hmm. and and how they would respond, but they haven't really thought about what they do if they were attacked. And part of that has something to do with what's called civilized conditioning. Mm -hmm. And civilized conditioning actually is what you taught your kids or if you have kids or or your parents taught you about how to be civil towards one another. You know, to get kisses and hugs, say please and thank you, respect authority, and just keep your hands to yourself, right? But when it comes to, you know, our our loved ones, there's something instinct or instinctual within us, especially if it's a child, that that parental instinctual need to protect that child until the day you die is born within you the first time that child takes their breath. So it's much easier for us to conjure up protecting a loved one. But you really need to understand physical self-defense. And once you understand that and understand situational awareness, basically Every situation that you're in, being aware of what's going on 50 to 100 feet around the perimeter of your body, you can anticipate if somebody means to do you harm, whether that's a car pulling up, somebody following you, somebody coming at you. And as you see this, as you what if and you visualize each scenario as it occurs, you anticipate a potentially dangerous situation. You prepare your mind and your body to react or respond with self-defense or running or in some cases using a weapon, right? Usually a non-lethal weapon, like a pepper spray, in some cases a stun gun. I'm a fan of lethal, like guns and knives, but not necessarily for most people, because most people aren't mentally, emotionally prepared to use a lethal weapon in self-defense, unless you take all kinds of classes to prepare yourself using that weapon. So, you know, I know I just said an awful lot, but there's an awful lot that goes into personal
3: protection. Well you know I've I've shared with Charlotte when she walks her dogs to take the mace with her but I've also recommended and I've recommended this to my own clients when they're walking their dogs that they should at least take a bat with them some sort of a of a weapon if a large dog attacks them what are they going to do stick their hand in the mouth of the large dog that's attacking so they no. need something to ward that off and not hurt themselves too um and Gosh, I think of Will Smith in the Academy Awards the other night. Oh, oh God. wow. Anyway, <laughs> um, but 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 is that wrong to be thinking of taking that kind of a weapon along with So a blunt,
6: instru- blunt instruments definitely have their place, um, and I'm a fan. That said, uh, pepper spray is excellent. So pepper spray is good for dogs, it's good for bears, and it's good for humans. And what it does is it attacks the mucous membranes in the eyes, nose, and throat. And when you spray pepper spray in a dog's face, bear's face, human's face, uh, they inhale it, it attacks their eyes, their breathing, it, they cough, they choke, it makes it very difficult for them to pursue uh, their their mark, their victim. Uh, and so a pepper spray for 15, 20 bucks uh, can do a lot of temporary damage that isn't necessarily blunt force, but will get you out of a potentially dangerous situation. And it can spray five, 10, 15 feet. Whereas a bat, you need to be right on top of somebody. You know, for tasers are great. You know, uh, firearms, okay. Pepper spray, I would recommend pepper spray for 95% of the population. Even if your dogs get a little bit of that spray, even if they get it in their eyes, nose or throat, even if they inhale it, even if they start coughing and sneezing. That's fine. It takes the fight out of everybody, including your own pet. And it's it's non-lethal, which means it's not going to kill anybody. It's temporary and it's going to go, it's going to go away. In a sense, in a, in a, in a vicious situation with dogs going at each other, even if your dog gets a little bit of that spray, it's going to take the fight out of all the dogs, which is fine. And it's definitely going to take the fight out of your attacker or your kidnapper in some cases. So, uh, and then you know, a pepper a, a stun gun, you've actually got to put your hands in range of teeth, you know, if you're going after dogs. So, and that could get, you know, you, you puncture your wrist, you could bleed out. I mean, it, it could get nasty. So
0: I would say in that scenario, pepper spray. But on that note, you were gonna say you're gonna wrap it up for us, Dr. Fleck. I was gonna wrap it up,
3: and I was just thinking of of all my the pet parents that that come in my practice and they love their pets so much, don't feel badly if somebody comes and tries to abscond your pet and you react that way, you probably should, just like Robert was saying. And thank you so much for joining us today. How about a website? Yeah.
6: So you can see me and my team online at protectnowllc.com. So protectnowllc.com.
0: Okay everybody that's a wrap. So before we go I want to give you guys a preview of next week's show. So next week I'm talking with Dr. Paul of Nat Geo Wild show the incredible Dr. Paul as well as Sterling Davis of Trap King Humane Cat Solutions who is a known educator throughout the United States of trap neuter And return and of course we must always thank our sponsors the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere and of course Teva brands established because of the need to make it easier to care for your pets your family and your home we thank them very much
3: most importantly remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets
0: peace out and pet love
1: goodbye Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus. The best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere.
3: Hi, Dr. Michael Fleck, back with you on Pet Buzz Plus. You've just learned your pet has been diagnosed with cancer, a malignant mast cell tumor, which is as deadly as melanoma in people. Fear, panic, and extreme anxiety enters our life, because until now, treatment has been limited to surgical removal of the tumor, followed by radiation and chemotherapy. But a brand new treatment has just been authorized by the FDA, which is simply an injection of Stelfonta directly into the tumor. Studies have shown Stelfonta to be 75% effective. This is truly a game changer for your pet. Treating the cancer without surgery, anesthesia, with minimal recovery, and it's affordable. We posted more about Stelfanta, the life-saving affordable cancer treatment, on the petbuzz.com. For PetBuzz Plus, I'm Dr. Michael Flock.